0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chelsea. Well it only seems like moments ago we were chatting to you uh, uh, from the podcast here but here we are again it's another week it's another pod and it's still the same old Andy Saunders hello Andy hello Kerry how are you yeah i'm all right actually um you know it's it's been a a funny old time of it uh, in life and in football terms um but you know it's it's all okay i, I think we're sort of evolving it's a changeable season as we keep saying and that's that's something i really think is is an important thing to to understand you know we're going to get highs and lows aren't we and it's it's very up and down we're not consistent and i think that's the thing we miss the most is consistency because of we've got so many players learning i mean it's incredible how many players have come to play for chelsea this season that hadn't done so before
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean I think it's interesting isn't it Because we talked at great length last season When Frank Lampard was appointed about How much of a transition this season was going to be And that we would all be uh, very calm about things And we would allow the team to grow and evolve And for Frank to learn his craft as a Premier League manager Uh, And then he got off to a bit of a flyer And expectations were raised and now a lot of us, me included, to a degree, have upped our expectations a little bit and are disappointed when we don't perform. Um, and it is interesting to see where our mindset was pre-season at the start of Frank's tenure and where we are now. And in some ways, that's quite a good thing because we're seeing the potential. We're seeing how far this team could go. I think we're kind of getting a- ahead of ourselves, and I would very much include myself in that about what the expectation should be for this season but you know we're fourth and we're still in the FA Cup and we're still in the Champions League and I think if you'd have given me that at the start of the season I would have happily taken it
1: yeah i think so and i i I kind of get the feeling okay we we haven't got many games to talk about tonight Uh, we've got the whole game to talk about the fa cup possible transfer windows and things it seems like a good moment to to really look at what's gone on with some of our players and who's impressed you the most who you think has really come on in leaps and bounds who have been the biggest surprises this season because it's it's not what we thought it was going to be in a lot of ways. You know, the idea was that carrying on from last season, Callum Hudson-Odoi would come back from injury, would take everyone apart, and we'd see this wonderful guy returning into the Chelsea side. He's really having to take time to develop, get back to fitness. Um, he he was probably the one that we were all saying he's the one, but actually he's probably in the pecking order of new boys He's probably about fifth or sixth in who you would think has possibly established themselves, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I think he, well, bluntly, has probably been the biggest disappointment this season. And let's not forget, he did get a serious injury uh, and he had to come back from that. But I think, as we've said before, there are other factors at play with Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think he was hugely hyped. The spectre of Bayern Munich was hanging over us for quite a long time. They were desperate to, to buy him, and he'd actually submitted a transfer request. He wanted to go, uh, but we didn't let him. We we saw him as the future. I think he bought into Frank Lampard and the project that Frank Lampard was about to embark on. He signed a very lucrative new contract, uh, and then he got injured, Uh And then Christian Pulisic came and exceeded expectations. And I think that probably messed with him a little bit, thinking that he wasn't going to be an automatic starter. Since he's come back from injury, he has, frankly, disappointed. I don't think that's something to read too much into. I think it's a long-term project, Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think he's somebody that we have to support over a period of time to give him the confidence to really express himself. He has all the talent, he has all the skill, he has all the flair. I think with him he just needs to develop a mental strength and a desire Desire is probably the wrong word. A mental strength and a steeliness around the way he approaches the game of football to really get the full potential out of him.
1: Yeah, I I think that's true. And I, I think it cannot be said strongly enough how bad that injury was and how him just even getting back onto a football field in the time that he has is quite an achievement in itself. But I do think he's now... And, and it's not so much what he does with the ball. It's, it's his tactical nous that has to be worked upon, I think. Um, and understanding exactly when to go where and when to come out with a little imaginary dribble or the little fancy turn when you're nearer your own penalty area than theirs. And they're the, they're the things that probably frustrate Frank, I would think, because I don't think Frank is one of those who likes to see players really uh showing off their skills when it's unnecessary
2: well it's interesting isn't it because frank said he likes brave players he likes brave football and you can't argue that what Callum Hudson-Odoi brings to the team is brave football. He will take people on, he will hit the ball early, he will get find himself in positions and do things that other players don't do. So from that point of view, that level of flair is an asset to the team. I think you're right though, it needs to be tempered with a sense of Uh, strategic understanding and tactical understanding but that you know he's a young kid he is a kid there's no two ways about it he's very raw and very underdeveloped he's not the finished article and i think perhaps a lot of us including the club maybe thought he was a little bit more developed than he actually is
1: yeah i I think that's true and also you are seeing signs of it in the last couple of games there's been moments where he's made good decisions Uh, you know the, the one that always sort of annoys me is when he's out wide and then he just passes the ball inside without looking expecting someone to be in a particular space that was empty a moment before and and those sort of things he just seems to have got to grips with a little bit more and and I think there's definitely signs he's improving and he's learning yeah he needs to
2: develop more his swagger and his sense that he is the best player on the pitch and that he can dictate things because one thing that he did in those early times that we saw him before his injury was hit the ball early so he would approach a player and suddenly hit the ball and you weren't expecting it. He was hitting it half a beat earlier than you were expecting him to do. And it would cause a certain amount of chaos in the box because you just weren't expecting it. And he stopped doing that. He stopped having the confidence to do that. He started to do that again. He started to take people on again. Yes, his passing is somewhat on, wayward on occasion. But I think that's an indication of a player that's thinking that other players are as good as him or anticipating things as well as he does so I wouldn't necessarily put that down as a huge negative I just think that he needs to understand the players around him a little bit better and a lot of this is I think at Frank's door as well he has to really understand what CHO's strengths are and play to them and work with him to develop them within a team system and not just say go out on the pitch and and be brilliant I think he needs to really help Callum understand what the Chelsea mindset is and how he fits into it.
1: Yeah, the the other thing that you've seen a couple of times, which has been missing most of the season, I mean, he's he, when he's in full flow. When he cuts inside, it's wonderful. But the thing that destroys the defender is when he goes on the outside, and he doesn't do that enough for me because he can put those That's burns confidence. on. Yeah, That's it all is confidence. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because that suddenly when you start, he, he's done it a couple of times in the last couple of games where he's gone on the outside, not often once or twice in a game. But boy, does it does it make a difference when somebody goes on the outside? It's the old fashioned principle is go on the outside, you will cause problems, not just for the fullback for everyone in the middle as well.
2: And I think that's why Pulisic has, has been such a revelation in that he can do both. He's really good coming inside. He's really good going outside. He's the closest we've got to a pure flair player at the moment. Callum is playing within himself, and I think Pulisic is probably playing slightly above himself in, at certain times. It's a shame that he's been injured because it stopped a little bit of the momentum that he's been gathering. But I really have high hopes for him moving forward, being the fulcrum of creativity in this team.
1: Yeah, and also the thing about, Purisic is he has played at a high level for a little bit longer than than Callum has sure and and you can see he's got that game experience um he he understands what he can and can't do he's still of course finding his role but he does show he's got that ability as you say to go inside outside and even when he's straight down the middle he will run at people and terrifies them already and I don't think he's even close to being the player I think he could become.
2: Yeah, and and, and I think, yes, he's played, obviously, with Borussia Dortmund at at a high level, but he's also played in a league that's very similar to the Premier League. Unlike some of the Mediterranean leagues, Spain and and, and Italy, the German league is probably closest to to the Premier League. So he's already been kicked. He's already been uh, uh, part of a physical game. I think he can improve his physicality a little bit, um, but he has a really good mental approach to the game he seems like a strong character he wants to succeed he looks like he enjoys playing football and he can rip teams apart so there's no doubt in my mind that he's he's been an a plus on the report card this season
1: yeah i, I think uh, that's a definite that's definitely true as well and he's so young um okay m- moving on to a couple of the others um Tamori, interesting season he's had. He sort of ended up knocking on the door, getting in the side, suddenly with a, the, the linchpin in that defensive unit, and then he's disappeared, and now he's come back again. Variable season, or is Frank actually managing him? And th- this is a deliberate plan from Frank.
2: A bit of both, I think. He certainly had a variable season. I mean, certainly we saw, uh, you know, when we first started to see him play regularly, he did have a mistake in him. Uh, he had a mistake every game, which was either a poor decision or a poor back pass. Um, he seems to be getting better at that now. Positionally, I can see improvements in his play. He played really well at the weekend, admittedly against a championship side, but you know, played really well. Was talking a lot was was moving things around was showing leadership qualities I think again it's been perhaps a slightly overwhelming experience being in the Premier League from, from his adventures in the Championship so it's a big step up for him again he's a young player with lots of talent he's good with the ball at his feet he's strong in the tackle I think he's again got a really good mental attitude I just think with him it's about decision making and about developing his all-round strategic and tactical game but I think he's had a decent start if not a spectacular one.
1: I I think this is quite a common theme until we get to a couple of the others that there's an Awful lot of promise in pretty much every single one of the younger players who's played for us but are not the finished article, which is absolutely correct too you know th- that will come with with time and with experience of games um, well,
2: I mean one player that I think has exceeded expectations is Tammy, and I think that you know I, I you know the ongoing joke on this program is I said he wasn't an elite player and and i have completely backed down from that point of view. I think he is now, and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with how well he's adapted to the Premier League. I don't think he's scored as many goals as he could have done. I think he's could have been more ruthless. I think he needs to develop a slightly more selfish and ruthless streak up front and take some of the chances that are put in front of him. His goal conversion is not bad. Um, in fact, it's very good. And to have scored the amount of goals he scored in his first season in the Premier League is really impressive. So I think you can't but say tammy abraham has been an a on the report card he's been very very good what's nice about tammy is you can see where he can go where where he can develop his hold-up play is better his all-round game is very good he's loving playing football plays with a smile on his face agonizes when he misses and i think that all of that as a package moving forward bodes really well
1: yeah although for me he looks as though he's a player who needs a couple of weeks off. Um, I, I think he's carried the team up front so much, you know. Because actually, what I've loved about him is not the goals he scored in a way; it's the fact that you've seen that there's this big lad up front, and he's he's all arms and legs and what have you. But boy, has his hold-up game developed, and the way he brings other players into the, into the game—it's it, fantastic to watch. I've never had a problem with the thought of him being a striker who will score goals if he gets the ball. I think you're right, he doesn't convert enough chances at the moment. But the but rest that,
2: of you it, can say that for the whole team though, yeah, to be of honest. Course. I wouldn't I wouldn't lay that just at Tammy's door. There's been too many opportunities where we've we've had an opportunity score and we haven't so that that's not a criticism of tammy solely i think that's something that we can apply to the whole team
1: i i I totally agree with you what i'm saying is as a finisher and when you see the quality of a lot of his finishes he will say probably himself that his conversion rate should be higher because he's got that ability but that that will come with time he'll relax and he'll grow into it and i can see if they can sort everything out with his contract. He'll be the top striker at Chelsea for the next 10 years. At least the next five or six. And and that's exciting to know. Um, What I think is wonderful is how the rest of his game survives. When you see someone like Batshuayi who, okay, we'll get onto Hull in a minute, you know, who scores a goal against Hull but then you don't see him for the rest of the game that's not what you would get from Tammy, is it? Tammy would be All over it, trying to drop back, trying to help out, trying to hold the ball up around the centre circle when things are getting a bit sticky, playing people in, working out where other people are. He's a team player, rather than just give me the ball and I'll score and that's it.
2: Yeah, he is, and and I think you can say for all of the young academy players that have made the breakthrough this season, they're all team players, And, and that is great to see that none of them are playing for themselves. Uh, all of them are are you know, very much committed to the team ethic. Callum hudson adoy I don't think, has quite integrated into the team as well as the other has, but I don't think that's down to him not wanting to. I just think that's about
1: finding his role and delivering his role within the team. OK, uh, moving on to another defender, uh, Rhys James. Now, We didn't see him at the start of the season. Everyone was giving him the big hype. I've seen him. He's brilliant. He was great in the the youth. He was great at Wigan. He's going to be one of those shoe-ins in the first team, ultimately. And then he came back from injury. And actually, he's... okay. if we look at it, if we're really clinical, we'd say he's still got quite a lot to learn about defending. But in the short time that he's been in the side, he's already seeing and learning things about defending. His attacking abilities are are not in question for me, but he knows where he's got to learn. and, And I think he's been... An absolutely wonderful addition to this squad. And you can just see him it's it's just a shame that um Terence Trent Derby at Liverpool uh is plays in the same position. I always call him that for some reason. I don't know why. Um Terence Trent thingy thing, Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh it's a shame that those two are in competition for the same place because they're both amazing fullbacks, potentially uh Arnold is already more established, but I think Reese is going to push him for years in the England setup.
2: up Yeah, I think Reese James is a huge positive this season. The, the difficulty that Reese James had was he had to displace the club captain, a Spanish World Cup winning player, with a legendary, and I don't think it's unfair to say legendary, reputation at the club and within global football as one of the best right-backs ever so it's um, you know it, it, it was a tough ask for him to come in and, and displace Uh but he did uh, on occasion and when he did he really took his chance and I think that was what was really pleasing about Rhys James is he got an opportunity and he took it yes I agree defensively there are things to improve and there are things to learn I don't think there are many modern fullbacks that couldn't improve their defensive capabilities the modern fullback is a marauding winger essentially um and his physicality his You know his build is uh, remarkable uh, when you consider how rapid he is and his ability to get up and down, bully players off the ball. You know we saw against Brighton how he dislocated the guy's shoulder just by you know an aerial challenge. He's going to cause problems for defenses. Uh, His delivery is good. He's got a good brain. He thinks tactically. I think he will be the Chelsea. Uh, right-sided full-back or defender for years and years to come. I think he's had an A-plus season.
1: And also, it was great when when he signed his contract um, and he said, look, this is just more of it for me, thank you. I I, want to stay here. I've been here for years and this is exactly where I want to be. And and there's such joy in, in the way he was saying it as well that you think, yeah, this is another boy who's just Chelsea through and through.
2: Yeah, he is. And he's very much part of the positive vibe around Chelsea at the moment. And, you know, Lampard's philosophy of bringing you through and developing a core of a team that is based on a Chelsea DNA.
1: Yeah. And I think um, if we move on to the the final player in the, in the roundup of those who played a lot for me, so far the, the the player out of all of them who has been i think the the most exceptional has been mason mount i mean he's played what 33 out of 34 games he's been kicked as much as eden hazard um okay he's he's on a bit of a gold route at the moment but his importance to this side just cannot be underestimated i'm talking about mason mount i disagree
2: To a degree. I think the Mason Mount has had a good season. I think there are some issues. One of the issues is, what is he in this team? Where does he play? Is he box to box? Is he number 10? Where does he play? I don't think Lampard has figured that out yet. I don't think he's quite figured out where his strengths are. I think he's had some exceptional performances. I think he's also been invisible in games and hasn't impacted games at all. I think he is very much a work in progress. I think that he is potentially a phenomenal player for Chelsea. I think he's going to be a phenomenal footballer. I don't think this season we've seen the best of Mason Mount. I think we've been we've, I think we've seen some exciting signs of what Mason Mount could be, but I don't think he has impacted the team as much as perhaps he could have done or he's capable of?
1: No, I think he's going to get better and better, but I actually think he's been really important to, to this side. I think he's... I think when he doesn't play... But would
2: you... OK, so so on that point, let's just let's just drill down on that point a little bit. You have... Putting aside the young players for a while, two players that really have stepped up this season are Jorginho and Kovacic. Yes. We know how... Uh, difficult a time they had last season not only with the fans but also in their own games they weren't perhaps played in a system uh, that they liked under Sarri uh, or that they felt comfortable in or that they excelled in this season they seem to have been freed up a little bit by Lampard and have played exceptionally well then you have the enigma that is Kante who hasn't been the same player this season, probably due to uh, a round of, 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 of reoccurring injuries and not being fully fit, and also not perhaps sitting in as balanced a side as he possibly could be, or, or even not being played in the right position, any one of those or any combination of those things. So the question is, where does Mason Mount fit into that? And does he, who does he displace? if if he's that important a player as you say he is who does he displace in that midfield
1: oh it's it's for me it's kante all day long i think i,
2: I kante footballer of the year yep uh, league title winning kante you know really
1: yes i think um i th- for me personally i think The problems with this side happened when Kante became fit again. I think we had a fully functional midfield with Jorginho, Kovacic and Mason Mount. And I think since Kante's come back, it's caused a bit of an issue and a bit of a problem. And, And I think possibly... That Kante is a red herring in this in this side So um, Kante
2: goes You sell Kante, get rid of him He's done, he's a busted flush
1: uh, I think you take the money you can And and reinvest um, If Kovacic and Jorginho Are going to play the way they were playing Then yeah, I think We could get very good money for Kante I think you're I don't, insane No, I don't think so I, th- I, think, I think
2: you're insane I think that a player of Kante's quality Has been through a dip In form uh, for For any of the reasons i 've said, whether it be injury or strategically or tactically or balance or whatever it is i don 't think you throw a player of the quality of kante away after a six month dip i think that 's insane
1: yeah I, but i don 't think he 'd be happy to be a squad player, so therefore you might as well let him go i just don't i don 't see where he fits in i, I honestly don 't with the way so a okay, plays. go back to
2: my original point where does Mason mount fit in?
1: Where does Mason Mount fit in? He plays further forward of Jorginho and Kovacic the way he was for the first you so know, he's a third of the season. Yeah, he is. He is a 10. Not, not box to box? Not really, no. I, I think he's more of a 10. Um, I
2: wonder if he would agree with that.
1: No, it'd be, it's. but this is the, the interesting thing about young players, isn't it, Andy? Because actually, often players don't actually find out exactly what they are until they're about this sort of age. You, there's plenty of stories about players having been strikers all their lives and then at about 17 or 18 turn into a midfielder or turn into this.
2: No, uh, he's not 17 or 18.
1: No, he's not. He's, what is he, 20 now? 21. 19 or 20?
2: 21,
1: um, Yeah, he's still young. Um, but, you know, I, I think... Where he was playing before with those two was working as a midfield unit. It it seemed. He was I, 21 on the 10th of January. Okay, sorry. there you go. So he was 20. So, um, I. I <laughs> Everybody was 20. You can't <laughs> say he was 20. Well, he was 20 uh, <laughs> 10 days ago. But, you know, I, I just think something has happened and I don't think Kovacic. And Jorginho look the same player as they were six weeks ago. They're they're having variable games. And is that down to
2: Kante or is that down to the balance of the side? Is that down to the tactics? Is that just down to Kante?
1: Yeah, I, I, that's how I feel. That, that's what I think. I don't think it's any fault of Kante's. I just think the system doesn't suit those three playing together. And
2: if you, Oh, wants- I agree with that. I, I don't necessarily think it is those three. I mean, I don't. I, look, I don't have the answer, particularly. What I know is Kante would get in any team in the world. And to let Kante leave because. He's had a bit of a dip in form or it doesn't quite work in the system at the moment. It just seems ridiculously short-sighted.
1: Oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes short-sightedness gives you the, the true vision. <laughs>
2: I mean, and- look at the other players that we've let go. De Bruyne, Salah, to a degree Lukaku. I mean, look at these other players that we've let go because they either had a dip in form or didn't quite fit in the system.
1: Yeah, but they you were know, all d- really young players. And what's, uh, you know, well, I mean, he's not old. Well, I know, he was twenty once as well, but he's he's, he's what twenty eight, twenty nine.
2: But I don't see the. That, the but that's not that the age is not a point. He's twenty eight. But that that's not the. Um, but that's not the point, is it? The point no, it's is not. That you've got you've got you know players that didn't quite fit in a system under Mourinho that were let go that went on to become world class players or maybe even were world class players but were never properly developed under the Chelsea system, and I think that. Kante is a proven midfielder at the highest level, a World Cup winner, a league winner, a multiple serial willer, uh, winner you know, that provides experience and stability inner a, in a side of young players and to let him go because it doesn't quite work at the moment I just don't see the thinking behind that
1: okay well I, I am right but
2: but, I, <laughs> but but Kerry other opinions are available exactly I respect, you, I respect your view
1: and the only way for me that it could work with Kante on that side is you drop Jorginho I don't think you can play Jorginho and but Kante. I love Jorginho so do I so, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think if... Can Do you think Te- you should
2: play four in midfield or five in midfield?
1: I've suggested that and you told me I was insane. No, I'm just all I'm asking you. <laughs> no, I don't because I, d- I just don't think it's You think
2: the way- 4-3-3 is the, is the system that, I, the, that works for us?
1: I would like to try another or- system but I think Frank likes this or likes to go with five at the back um, every now and then. I I don't think we're going to see anything other than three men in midfield under Frank and... Const- well, here's the problem
2: with midfield um, at the moment. And you know what I'm going to say. There are no goals in midfield.
1: Well, they've stopped and, again, haven't
2: they? Well, well where, where are the goals? There's no goals in Kovacic. There's no goals in Jorginho. There's very few goals in Kante. You know, George, well, Jorginho will score penalties, but he won't score from open play. There's, there's you know, a, a, a stop-start amount of goals from Mason Mount. There's no solid Lampard, Essien, poye wise type player in there that's going to chip in with double figures a season it's not it doesn't exist so is there room in that midfield for for example an isco or a player of flaring creativity a fabregas type player who can score 10 goals a season because you're putting an awful lot of pressure on the few players up front to score all your goals
1: yeah i mean well that's what that's why it's a shame mason's dried up with his goal tally at the moment he's do you think l- he's that player? Yeah, I do think he's that player. Okay. I, and I, I think he could become... We've seen the way he gets into the box, and not so much the last few weeks. And it, And look, my thinking is that could be tiredness. I think he's not played at this level before. He's not played this many games before. He's another one who looks as though that, and that's where you see the problem. I'm not
2: for sure on this this many games. I mean, they play a lot of games in the championship. Yeah, but he didn't play the whole last
1: season. He was injured for a large part.
2: Yeah, he was injured.
1: He he was out for a large part of the season, so it's it's kind of a different league for him, and I think it's a different intensity. For me, he looks so he needs two or three weeks out, come back, bang, you know then it'd be, I think, back to form. The problem is we're now seeing the effects of no transfer window last summer in a, in a strange way in, in the fact that there isn't enough backup. The, and the backup isn't good enough, I think. so. Well, that's you know, certainly we'll, true.
2: I mean, the bench is, 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 um, is, is not looking great because when your creative goal-scoring options are either Pedro or Barkley... I think I think that that's pretty threadbare, frankly. When when you compare it to other top clubs,
1: no, it's true. Anyway, look, we're, that's most of the youngsters covered. All the others who've had a, a bit of a run as well, you know, we we can talk about at another time. But we should go to a commercial break, and we'll be right back after this. And we are back. So, Andy, um, is there anyone else you'd like to single out for a a quick word? Or do you think we've covered the majority of them? Um, Well,
2: the only other player was was a factor on on Saturday, uh, which was uh, Billy Gilmore, who came on uh, in the second half as a substitute against Hull and who Frank Lampard singled out as the best player on the pitch in the second half. He's somebody that is tricky, who has flair, who plays in that central role, who can pick a pass, who could be that creative spark in midfield. But, you know, again, it's a very, very crowded place, that midfield. And we've still got Ruben Loftus-Cheek to come back. So, you know, what do you do in terms of what does Frank want in terms of how how he wants to... Position that midfield. Is it going to be a a defensive midfield? Is it going to be attacking midfield? Is it going to be a combination of the two? Should it be a combination of the two? And if so, who are the personnel? It's a really, really tricky puzzle. But Billy Gilmore, I think, is a factor in that, and and a player that we're going to see a lot more of as 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 we go through the seasons.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, And and lastly. I, I I don't like subscribing to the, the general point of view at the moment, but um Arisa Balaga. Now, he's getting an awful lot of flack at the moment. Frank's even made comments about him. Do you subscribe to the fact that he is not the player we thought we were buying? And do you think he can come through? Well...
2: I didn't really know what we were buying. I didn't know an awful lot about Kepa, to be honest. And I don't think a lot of people did, if they're honest. Uh, all I know that is that he was a highly rated goalkeeper who cost an awful lot of money. And I have to say that when he first came, I was impressed with his uh, ability on the ball in the system that Sarri was playing. Um, and therein lies the problem. In the Sarri system, we looked absolutely magnificent bringing the ball out of defence because they were drilled within an inch of their lives to do it. We're still trying to do it, and we're not doing it half as good as we were doing it under Sarri. So he has got a bunch of players in front of him who aren't delivering the same level of tactical ability on the ball or technical ability on the ball I should say that they had under Surrey because they obviously worked on that as a a, a way of bringing the ball out of defence and I've said this time and time again this season the transition from defence to midfield is not good enough now Kepa's part of that but if Kepa plays a ball out and you know a lot of it's down to poor decision making but it also it's also down to who's available for the ball Who's going to get the ball? So I would say probably fifty-fifty. His his fault and somebody else's fault. I think the spotlight's on Kepper because I don't think the defence in front of him has been good enough. I don't think they've protected him enough. One thing that Kepper doesn't do is come for crosses, which I think's an issue, and I think that's down to size. Uh, I'm actually quite surprised at his size. I don't, you know, my son has always said there's no way he's six foot one, and I think he's right. Uh, you know, I've kind of, I kind of like disagree with him to start with but it's clearly not so height's an issue um, I think he's a really good shot stopper I think his decision making generally is good I don't think he's as bad as people say he is I just think if he had a really really good defence of him in front of him like, Pete, like Petr Cech did I think that his stats would be a lot better
1: yeah, I, I think I, I would agree with most of that. Um, I do think he's not the finished article, and I would say
2: that He's not confident, is he? That's no. the problem. And I think as a, as a goalkeeper, you've, you've got to be confident in the, it, the, the four players in front of you that are shielding you, and from set pieces particularly, and with players running at them, that defence looks wobbly.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. Um, OK, look, we're going we're to take a break from that now. And um, we've got Robert Ray, uh, friend of the show, been on here a lot, BBC journalist. He's come up with his first, worst and best Chelsea games. So here's Robert.
0: My first Chelsea game was at Highbury, the start of the 1971-72 season, when I was six. The European Cup winners, cup holders, us, against the double winners, Arsenal, both teams showed off their cups on the pitch before the game. That was the last moment of parity between the two teams in the next 90 minutes. We got torn apart 3-0 and we were lucky to score nil. Luckily, I didn't see much of it. There was a huge crowd, about 60,000. I was very small, and until my dad hoisted me on his shoulders, all I saw pretty much was the back of other people's trousers. Even on his shoulders, the view wasn't brilliant, I remember seeing Peter Bonetti at one point, looking for Lauren in his penalty area, and, I think, a corner flag. It was the first of many depressing visits to Highbury over the next 40 years of my life. The worst? Also against Arsenal. This time at the bridge, 1999. It should have been brilliant. 2-0 up, a quarter of an hour to go, cruising. A win that was about to hand us a crucial advantage in the title race. Mm-hmm. And then, Canu. Pulls one back with a toe poke. Waltzes through the Chelsea defence for a second. And in stoppage time, he collects the ball out in the left wing... And Ed DeHoy, for reasons only he can have come up with, chases out of his penalty area and tries to tackle him by the corner flag. Why, Ed? Why? Canu slips around him and scores from the acutest angle known to man. 3-2. I remember sitting in Matthew Harding, my, man, my head in my hands for about ten minutes, just unable to move or believe what I'd just witnessed. And it was raining. The best? Well, I might as well keep the Arsenal theme going. Their place, Champions League, second leg, tw- 2004. One each in the first leg, everyone going on about their vital away goal. Packed into the clock end, Jose Antonio Reyes, who only ever seemed to score against us, puts them ahead just before half-time. Nothing's changed, I say to my mate John at half-time. We needed to score one, we still do. Fighting talk, trying to keep our spirits up. Then, bang, Lampard equalises. Punches the air in front of us, we surge forward and suddenly it's game on. How about your vital away goal now, eh? Ten minutes to go. We're pressing forward and you can see the fear in their eyes. If we score again, they'll need two. They're terrified by giving the ball away. Five minutes to go. I save the bloke next to me. Next goal wins. Wayne Bridge on the charge. Defence backing off. Good Johnson plays the most sublime one-two ever. And Bridge sticks the left foot on it and it's in the back of the net. Not even Ashley Cole can keep it out. And Bridge hasn't stopped running. He ends up practically in amongst us Chelsea fans. There's a huge surge forward, we're on our feet and we're out of our seats, no chance of getting back to where we started. And there were only two minutes to go and the final whistle's gone and Arsenal are out of the Euros. Ranieri's in tears, JT and Laps is celebrating with the fans and we just don't stop singing. On the way out, a Sky Sports crew, are interviewing Chelsea fans and I can hardly get the words out. 33 years since I first came here to watch us play Arsenal, first time I've seen us win here, is what I want to say. What I'm actually doing is croaking 33 years, 33 bloody years at the top of my voice. I was making no sense. We end up in a pub round the corner from the ground, dancing on the tables and singing carefree until the police come and tell us we're annoying the locals and can we to go home now, please? And so we do.
1: Oh, I tell you, th- this whole section, Andy, it, it really makes me remember things and, and just hearing people talk about things emotionally is quite exciting and also depressing and happy and you know we're talking about Carnu coming off the bench for that hat trick it still Mm. hurts now doesn't it you were there you remember that day I was commentating on it for
2: radio Chelsea it was painful really painful um it was an astonishing performance in the pouring rain uh and particularly I think the last goal where he seemed to score from the byline was just a you know, really, really irritating performance and, and gutsy. But we had a lot of games against Arsenal like that with uh, was it Silvino scoring uh late on there was a lot of late goals and equalizers and winners from Arsenal but also some incredible games I mean the six nil game on Arsene Wenger's thousandth game in charge of the Gunners was brilliant you know so we <laughs> want you
1: to stay we've
2: had some amazing games against Arsenal not not all good um obviously uh you know that one in the Champions League the bridge one is, yeah well is, that's uh,
1: yeah that's what yeah. Robert talks about yeah. there and Exactly, and, and getting that feeling of Wayne Bridge yeah, I love that when Robert's telling us about it And you're going yeah I know he's going to score I was getting all excited and emotional through that So yeah and it, and it is Kind of one of those things You know Arsenal I suppose it's a bit like how Tottenham feel About us a lot of the time in the fact that We hardly ever beat them for years and years. And you'd have fear in your heart when you'd see that red shirt with the white sleeves coming out on the pitch. But, you know, we have done pretty well over the last number of years and have kind of dispelled that fear factor, haven't we? We
2: have. I think the player that always frightened me most for Arsenal was Thierry Henry. And I think Thierry Henry oh. was, always, was always brilliant against us. And, and I think during that period, I, I, they definitely had a fear factor for me, just because he was on the pitch, frankly. Yeah, that's
1: true. So, OK, we'll, we'll just move on quickly and, and have a little summation about the Hull Cup game away. Now, you did one of your little magical mystery tours, didn't you? You went to Hull.
2: I did. I drove up to Hull. It was a very pleasant drive up the M1. Quite boring because it's a boring road. But Hull itself is much nicer than I sort of had in my head. Never been there before. One of the reasons I wanted to go is I'd never been to Hull. I'd never been to the KC Stadium. So that's one of the reasons i went and uh yeah stayed in a fairly grim hotel um but uh that's fine you know i was only up there for the game really uh and uh, the chelsea fans were in good voice and it was positive and overall it was a you know a good weekend
1: yeah and did you get to go down to the quayside in hull nah Oh, it's a shame. I, I I don't know if you've been to Red Hook in Brooklyn. It reminds me of there actually. It's it's been regenerated and it, it looks fantastic. Um, well, yes,
2: because they, they had their, they were the city of culture, weren't they? So they, they spent millions and millions of pounds. in No, I didn't get there until fairly late, and I left fairly early the next morning. So and obviously it was a five thirty kickoff, so I didn't really have the, the time that I wanted to uh, to to spend uh, around Hull. But from what I saw, it it looked like a place worth visiting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and as for the game, well, I mean, it was a. a yet again as we keep saying it sums up our season and we seem to be in this period of games that sum up our season where we're so in charge we are really on top we should be four or five nil up and we get to 2-0, you think, that's good, and then concede. Um, was it frustrating for you watching it? I, you know, there's something, when you're watching these games live, it's very different to when you're watching it on TV. Could you feel frustration going through the Chelsea fans? Of course. It was, yeah, it was very frustrating. Not not so much in the
2: first half. I mean, after Batshuayi scored perhaps the most Batshuayi goal of all time, where he, you know... <laughs> managed to hit something from 18 yards which came off somebody's arse and went in the goal, you know, and burgled a goal in the FA Cup. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't dislike Mishibachwai. I just don't rate him very much. Um, after that, we looked fairly comfortable. And then obviously in the second half, Tomori ghosted in at the back post and and managed to to, to head one in and, and, and make it fairly comfortable. But after that, for the for the last... 25 minutes or so We were all over the place And it was Incredibly frustrating Their their goal Was another Lucky Deflection They didn't really um, You know They didn't really Threaten that much Although they did have You know A couple of sh- They only had a couple of Shots on target um, But they, you know They threatened in Around a box a little bit But Kepa didn't have That much to do um, It was more the decision making by our players some players not ab- ability to give the ball away was astonishing uh, it, and, and, and again we say it every week the game management in the last 10 or 15 minutes don't try and match the intensity of the opposition try and manage the game slow it down take the fizz out of their play try and neutralise what they're trying to do do the opposite I know it's counterintuitive don't try and play hare and scare and football like them because you will leave yourself open and it does Week after week frustrates the
1: hell out of me. Yeah, and the, just to, uh, just uh, before anyone writes in, you meant uh, Willie in goal, not Kepper. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, no, that's yeah, right.
2: so, so, yeah, Caballero. Nice yeah. to see him. Yeah, You know, he's he's a good, I mean, he's a good squad player. He never moans. He just gets on with it. He always puts in a decent performance when he comes in. He does come from crosses. His handling was very good. His kicking was good. I thought he had a decent game.
1: I'll tell you, I'd be a good squad player if they paid me that money. In fact, I wouldn't even want to play. I'd be quite happy just to you? sit on a bed. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. How I, tall I actually are you? T- <laughs> Short five, enough. Are you about, what, five foot two? Fuck. Get off. I'm five five. Forty five, uh,
2: five. You're not going to be coming from crosses are you I honest. tell you,
1: I did actually pay, play goalkeeper for my junior school side when I was eleven. And uh, my my did mum smoking
2: stunt your growth, isn't no, it?
1: Was? I hadn't even started then. I I started after the the one game I kept in goal for the school side. They put me in goal for some reason and I wasn't very happy, but I had all my Peter Bonetti gear on and it was a really muddy day and my parents came to watch and my mum just said you know when you were just face down in the mud after they'd scored the eighth goal we knew you weren't going to be a goalkeeper <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was you know they were just chipping them up in the air you know at the age of eight or nine or whatever and it was just going straight over my head it was yeah, yeah. that was one I, of I don't
2: my- wanna, I, I, I don't want to be Rude, but you don't have the stature for a goalkeeper, Kerry.
1: No, I know that, but you know, I was, you know, for some so you reason, you wouldn't
2: be a good squad player.
1: No, I would be. I'd just play somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. I, I'd be a squad player that doesn't play. That yeah, no I'd be pace, good at.
2: Yeah. no height, no <laughs> guile. Where, where would you play
1: excuse me i'm actually quite a talented midfielder and i know how to find the net that's what they're missing is me you ask <laughs> phil daniels he's played football with me he knows what i'm all about i will uh, ask phil i will he get will. the
2: intel from phil and i'll report
1: next he week. he will tell you that i've got a surprisingly good right peg let me tell you i can ping it 35 yards straight onto your boot uh, but anyway, this isn't about my football skills <laughs> And my football history um, Okay, well look, the, the whole game yes, was but yes,
2: to answer your question It was a frustrating last 25 minutes But there was lots to like about the game We'd, we'd made a few changes uh, in the lineup. up we'd, we'd seen some players that we hadn't seen uh, For Tomori came back, I thought had an excellent game Alonso I thought was good uh, Kovacic bossed the midfield for large periods uh, Mason was okay in that game I don't think he was brilliant in that game Hudson O'Doy was okay uh Gilmore came on for him and I thought outshone him uh Batshuayi was all right I mean there was a lot of okays and all rights in there nobody particularly stood out I thought probably Tomore was man of the match for me um Zuma I thought had a very solid game Dave added some experience but you know frankly if we can't beat teams like Hull we've got a problem
1: yeah no it's true but I would also say nobody who isn't in the side at the moment, when you know what, boss, you've got to pick me. For me, the, the biggest disappointments were Ross Barkley and Pedro. Um, well, I
2: don't like picking on individual players. No. I don't think. I don't think that you know it's a team game and you win and lose as a team. But you know, Ross Barkley's stock for me after a decent game, I think against was it Nottingham Forest in the cup, he had a decent game and everybody went, oh look, Ross Barkley's pretty good. You know, yeah, he can turn it on against a you know on a, a, against a championship team, but too often he puts in performances like he put in on Saturday where his decision making was poor he didn't seem to be in the game, impacting the game and by the end he was blowing, he was really blowing by the end, I was in the front row of the uh, the stand behind the goal and so I saw him kind of up close and personal and he was gasping for breath, he's just not
1: fit no. Uh, but yeah, but this happens with injuries, doesn't it? And if you don't get your full pre-season in, you get knocks. It, it's kind of what we're seeing with, say, Kante and and with Rudiger. It takes time. It, to try and get your fitness during the season is hard, hard work. Yeah. yeah. I think
2: we're seeing the, you know, the end of Pedro here. I, I mean, I would be very, very surprised if he's not not, not gone in the next couple of days um, yeah. or, or he becomes a free agent or something because... I don't see that he has any future in this team. It's nice to see him play. I'm a big supporter of what he's done for us or what he's provided for us. I think he's been a great acquisition and a great servant for the club. Uh, he's certainly added something to our team and its history. I just think it's probably time for him to find pastors new now
1: yeah no i agree anyway well look um after the match you know frank uh, took his usual press conference and our man behind the scenes mr nizar
3: kinsella he was there and this is his little summing up hi all this is nizar kinsella chelsea fc correspondent for gold.com reporting for the chels um just been at hull city the kcom stadium uh, spoken to Frank Lampard Fikai uh Watched the game uh, First full house um, in the it, At that stadium this season So Chelsea brought the crowd um, And yeah they delivered Sort of uh, you know 2-1 victory But uh, yeah there was a sense of um, Not good enough really from Chelsea though uh, They weren't over excited I don't think Frank Lampard was Celebrating the result behind the scenes It was a case of you know The same old problems we've seen In the Premier League Yes it was job done but a better side might have been able to come back against Chelsea. Hull City very nearly did as well, to be honest. Uh, from 2-0 down, it, it was a bit of a case of hanging on in there against a mid-table championship side, which is something you'd expect better from from Chelsea. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was it was uh, sort of cautiously happy about the result. Um, Tomori was a match winner, one of the big bright sparks, and, yeah, he was very much the same. He said, if we play like this against Leicester, we'll lose. So... Uh, yeah uh, good performance I guess to get the result but there's also more expected you know in bigger games you need to do better than that and uh, not many of the substitutes uh, maybe stake their claim for a f- first team start so uh, yeah and, and we're talking about transfers now until the Leicester game uh, deadline days on Friday um, behind the scenes Chelsea are busy there's not a lot of options though in the transfer market that's why uh, Edison Cavani Still ends up being the you know the main option. Um, there's also Christoph Piatek, the AC Milan striker, who Chelsea are being linked to. Um, I understand you know Tottenham are more interested in this player, so uh, Chelsea pretty much are outsiders for that one. They're also outsiders for Cavani just because uh, Chelsea would ideally like a six-month loan, but uh, Atletico Madrid are willing to offer a two-and-a-half-year deal uh, to the player, which is you know, as you might expect for a, a, an older striker, that's a, a great offer. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a case of Chelsea just want a short-term deal because the real top-class players, um, and, and Lampard talked about replacing Hazard, but... Uh, you know, after the game against Hull but the real top players you need to do that with to replace Hazard's goals, to replace his creativity are not there in this market so uh, Chelsea want a short term option just to ensure they get the top four get the money, get the Champions League spot um, and then it's a case of the summer is when the more exciting transfers will be so uh, to get a short-term option, Chelsea need to be lucky, patient and uh, see what comes up late in the window. There might be a player desperate to leave, a striker, an attacking midfielder and uh, they might choose to get that deal done over the line. But so far, uh, it's not clear which, which option they'll go for.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Andy? You, you know, we're starting to feel something from frank he he actually I, I heard him on the tv after the game i don't know whether you saw it but he was saying he knew who he wanted in the side now whether he means the type of players or actually the actual players he wants that which is how i read it it's it's a very interesting week um i've got a feeling it's going to be a bit of a disappointment we might get one biggish name i guess on the last day in the last few hours but Do you sense there's a bit of frustration coming through from Frank? Is he suddenly playing that managerial game, saying, we need players, I know who we want as well?
2: Yeah, he's said that on several occasions, that he wants backing, which is... uh, Not in his case. I mean, in some managers... uh, cases that would be ominous if Mourinho says he wants backing that's normally uh, a a red flag uh, a means that he's starting to fight with the board over what he wants and what they want to give him in in Frank's case I think he's saying look I have identified the areas that I want the, the positions that I want to strengthen and I need the the board and the, and the club to get those players for me. I think that's what he's saying. But I think he's also realistic enough to know that January's not the time to do that necessarily. If we can bring in players in January, brilliant. Um, the chances are we won't because of the value in the market in January and because those players may be playing for teams that need them. In in the next uh, run of games Either for uh, promotion Or for championships Or to avoid relegation For all sorts of reasons Or because of a paucity in the squad So there's lots of reasons why clubs won't let players go the big window for us is this summer, and that's what we need to be focused on. Frank needs to be focused on this summer. If Marina and the board can bring in a striker uh, in this window, maybe a lone player, maybe uh, a creative midfield player, that would be amazing. Um, and don't forget that we do have players coming back from injury, which will strengthen the squad. But I'm not. I'm not holding out hope i'm not sitting there on transfer deadline day with my fingers crossed hoping that we're going to get someone i'm fairly resigned from the fact that if we do it's a bonus if we don't met we look for the summer
1: yeah and i like transfer deadline days that are quiet because then jim white can shut up on sky rather Mm. than go oh my god absolutely nothing's happening you know it just drives me nuts that man anyway moving on to the weekend uh we are away at Leicester. This is a big six-pointer, isn't it? Um, it's got all the hallmarks of a classic game. And actually, probably the kind of game we will perform well in, isn't it?
2: Well, we, our away form is better than our home form. That's, that's, uh, that's evident. Um, and also, there's no way Leicester will play a low block. That's not what they do. Not under Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers is very much a, a, a coach that likes... Flowing football likes players to get on the front foot. Likes to uh, have his teams take the initiative and and force uh, the issue uh, tactically. Um, he does play on the counter, and he has players. I think Vardy will be back for this game uh, with pace up front that can hurt us if the ball goes over the top. And they are very much a ball over the top team, so we have to be very careful about that. But you know we are capable we're very capable of winning games like that and we have the players to do so be interesting to see who he puts out be interesting to see whether tammy's fit because obviously he received a knock in the last home game so i think there's a lot of stuff up in the air can we win it absolutely will we win it who knows
1: no absolutely i i agree i there's something about this fixture in fact i think we've been to about the last three games up there and uh, it's kind of a bit weird that we're not going this weekend but um, i'm at I'm ac milan hellas verona oh you're so plastic aren't you You had the choice <laughs> of going to leicester and you picked ac milan oh I don't, I, I don't know that's ridiculous all right well i hope you have a great time there but what's your prediction finally for the leicester game
2: honestly honestly i think it's going to be a draw i think
1: it'll be a 1-1 draw OK, I'm going to go for a two-1 to Chelsea. Okay, um, good. I th- hope so. Yeah, I think Mason Mount is going to get back on form and get a goal. So he's well, capable. He's very, very capable. He is indeed. All right, well, that's us out of time. Um, as usual. Great to chat to you, Andy. Um, and you mate. thoroughly enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week. Cheers everyone.: This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at Chelseapodcast.net.
3: Sports Social
2: Podcast Network.